Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is episode 85. Amat's here with B Pimp. B Pimp, what's up with you? Just, you know, isolated in my house, following safety regulations. <laughs> that is, I have found like people that I talk to regularly where you just have to say like, hey, how's it going? There's almost, there's so little to say. It's like, I sat in a different part of my house today. What did you do? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I put together a, um, uh, a shelf for Elena's room, which it wasn't Ikea, but it might as well have been Ikea. Whatever guidelines Ikea or any other company says for how long something will take you to do, you have to multiply by about three when I start to put it together. Like I immediately put two pieces together incorrectly twice from the outset. This is a, this is something that you, it's a shortcoming of yours putting together prefab furniture. Yeah. And it's not just that I'm bad at it, but I also don't want to do it. So it's like that, that mix of like, I'm going to put together like two pieces, get some coffee, take a break, think about my next step, then do it. Then realize I had to undo the last one. So what should have taken like an hour, hour and a half took like a solid three. I like it. It's almost like you're part of your part of yourself is um, sabotaging it because you don't want to do it. Yeah, I think so. I don't know what it is. Uh, hopefully something I get slightly better at. Um, but of course, this is the whiskey sessions. So we're going to talk whiskey. We also have a great episode because we're talking the top five sports nicknames of all time. I can't believe we haven't done this yet. I know. I feel like we, I know a few episodes I've definitely talked about certain people's nicknames that have showed up on lists, but I don't, we've definitely not. I'm just surprised we just haven't yet. It's a good one. Yeah. All right. The whiskey I have is from Portland, Oregon, uh, which I don't think I totally realized when I bought the whiskey because I might've put it back on the shelf, uh, but it's called Ghost Owl. Uh, and it says Pacific Northwest right under it. And I think by saying the Pacific Northwest, it's trying to make you think it's from Washington, but then sneaking in that it's from Portland, Oregon. But it's a rye whiskey, and I'm drinking it on the rocks. And of course, the listeners know that I'm from Seattle. So some Seattleites, I think, like Portland. But the other Seattleites that have been to Portland before don't like it as much, I think. <laughs> Uh, if you're this is if you're from Portland, this may not be the episode for you. <laughs> no, I, no, it's not like there's nothing really wrong with Portland. It's just that it has a few things going against it. One, it's the whitest city in America, both technically and just culturally. Like it's not just that there's a lot of white people. It's, it's just that. that they're very white, and it's obvious. <laughs> the vibe is white. The vibe is extremely white. Um, it's also like a coastal city that's not on a coast, which to me is just kind of a bummer. Wait, how does, what does that mean? Like if you're going to be on the coast, essentially, like why would you be 60 miles inland on a river? Oh, I gotcha. Okay. You know, like Seattle isn't technically right on the Pacific Ocean, but it's on Elliott Bay, which, you know, leads into the Puget Sound and then goes out into the ocean. It's on like a big body of water. Portland is on the Willamette River and kind of the Columbia River. So it's just like two rivers going through. Do you think that's because they were scared of the ocean? 
Maybe. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I think what bothers me the most about Portland isn't that it's a coastal city, not on the coast, or that it's extremely white, but like people think it's cool for some reason. Like it has that, I don't know if it's the show Portlandia that did that for Portland or what it is, but I'm not buying it. I think it was Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler is pretty damn cool though. He was at Phi Slamma Jamma, baby. I feel bad. I had forgotten. So I know the Blazers played the Bulls in the finals. That was, was that 92? 92, yeah. 92. And they lost. I I didn't realize the Blazers were also in the finals like two years before that. They lost to the Lakers? Uh, Oh, no, no. Pistons, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So it's a bummer that they didn't get a championship during that run. Yeah, they really they were close. They had some really good players on that team. Yeah, I'm glad Clyde got one, though, with Houston because he was a good player. Yeah, for sure. But to return to this whiskey, again, it's Ghost Owl from the Pacific Northwest Rye Whiskey. It's a uh, 45% alcohol by volume, 90 proof. Anything else? It's produced and bottled by Rose City uh, Distilling, uh, Distilling Company in Portland, Oregon. And it's a two-year-old rye. So we'll see. I have not heard of this whiskey before. B-Pimp, you heard of this whiskey? I haven't. I would like to mention that I think owls are cool, but isn't Ghost Owl such a Portland name for a whiskey? Oh, right? Yeah. Ghost Owl. Well, it's got a, like, picks an animal that's in the woods because it's woodsy around there and ghost because it's white, much like the city of Portland. So I guess it's pretty accurate then. Pretty accurate, yeah. Let's see how this crap tastes. <laughs> and, and I think we should tell our listeners too, if they've been listening lately, they'll know we are three boots in a row strong. So I, as much as I, I don't want to say hold a grudge against Portland. Um, I'm hoping it's not four boots in a row. We're uh, close to needing to hire a cobbler because we're going through so many boots. Exactly. Uh, all right, here we go. It's a nice, I always comment on the glass. It's a lovely glass to drink whiskey out of. I like it. It's just one big ice cube. I weirdly did not smell it before I drank it. So I'm going to do these, this out of order. The smell is nice. It's not too strong. The taste, um, it has like a little sweetness to it. It doesn't punch me as hard as a lot of rye would. Yeah, is it spicy? It's like a little spicy, but not overwhelming. Um, and the aftertaste is just, you know, it's a pretty smooth finish. It's not, um, it's not going the direction of metallic. It is like kind of lingering, but it's lingering in a way that's just like a soft, deep burn, which is pretty pleasant. Okay. I'm gonna take one more sip. So. This, despite being from Portland, this might have a, a puncher's chance, it sounds like. Might have a puncher's chance. I mean, and it would be a miracle of sorts, right? For as crappy as Portland is to have a smooth train whiskey. It would be, yeah. It'd be like the 1980 Olympics when the U.S. hockey team won. I've always said that Portland's whiskeys are kind of like that, that 1980s U.S. hockey team. You've always said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Well, I'm going to forego the third taste because I already know 
I'm putting Ghost Owl on the smooth train. Wow, what a what a coup for Portland. Yeah, it's really quite pleasant. And for a whiskey I'd never heard of before, it actually wasn't that hard to get. I mean, I just got it at the grocery store, which is the only place I go to anymore. So, yeah, I got to say, if you can find yourself some Ghost Owl whiskey, and I, I think you can uh, because I can find it in the Bay Area grocery stores, then I definitely recommend it. Wow, this is exciting. Yeah. Great. I, I'm glad to have one back on the smooth train. The more excited than that, uh, I, I'm excited for the song Smooth Train, which I, I don't know. We had an episode several episodes ago where we were talking about song ideas. And I don't want to give too much away, um, but we are in the midst of B-Pimp has already, uh, has already recorded his vocals for the EP. I'm in the process of recording my vocals. Later today, we're going to record some like bonus audio. But this EP, folks, is coming together. You're not ready out there, listeners. You're not I, ready. I don't think they can be, which I, I feel bad about. But like that shouldn't stop us from releasing this magic. No, it's got to go out, especially now. Now more than ever. Now <laughs> the, world ever needs, sure. the world needs it. <laughs> yeah. I felt like what the world needs more than anything at all uh, is another Whiskey Sessions EP. Yeah. And then the healing can begin. Definitely. All right. Cheers to that. Um, our top five list for this episode, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, was sports nicknames. And it was fun to put together this list. B-Pimp. Who are some of the, maybe it's not your number one, but who are some of the nicknames that came to your mind first when you're putting together this list? Well, sp minor spoiler. Well, I'm not going to say one of them, but there is one that I will mention when I reveal it that I've talked about multiple times on this podcast and would not surprise anybody to know that it's on there. But I don't think I put that number one. Um, I didn't, I had to look up, like, there's a few people that I always think about. One of them is one that I made up for an old Seattle Mariners player that you'll be excited to hear in the honorable mentions that I don't think anybody else used. <laughs> so really? I, I, could, I couldn't rank it. So that came to mind right away. Cause it's one of my favorites. But other than that, um, it was kind of like, I looked up a big list and was like, oh yeah. And then I had to, it was one of those where I had a bunch and then I had to rank them. Sometimes I know in my head it'll be like, yeah, that's one, that's two, that's three. This was one where I had to get a list first. Can I guess what the nickname was that you came up with? Yeah. Is it John the Helmet Olrude? No, but I wish it was. <laughs> ah, damn. Because that's so much better than mine. All right. Uh, without further ado then, let's uh, get into it. These are our top five sports nicknames. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. Be pimp. Who is your number five? Number five, which I know I've said on this podcast before, is Dominique Wilkins, the human highlight reel. Wow. I, that is a great pick, but I hate to say it, and I hope this isn't the only opportunity, but if we had gone the other way, we would have had uh, a, a double dip. Oh, no. Yeah, this is... Uh, okay, tell us what you like about it, though, because I, I think that's a great pick. I think I just think it's so descri so descriptive that 
because anybody that's seen Dominique's dunking, I mean, it's just, even if he did a simple dunk, like it still looked awesome because he was so like angry when he dunked and so ferocious. It was uh, really ferocious. Yeah. It's like every time he dunked, he wanted to make anyone that was in the vicinity pay for like standing there. That was mm-hmm. how he dunked. He seemed to have, I don't know if he had a long wingspan, but it always appeared that he did. Cause you know, some of his like better known dunks are like where he appears to be like three or four feet away from the hoop, but he is just like extending his arm for the dunk. Yeah, my favorite of his that I think of with him is that um, double pump where he would like the two-handed reverse, but he would pump the ball between his legs once. Mm-hmm. That one, like the reverse tomahawk or whatever you would call it, I guess. Um, that was such a – and he could – you're right. He could do that from like – it would seem like he was far too far away. Kind of like Vince Carter had that a little bit. Yeah. No, he was an awesome dunker. And I just wish that – I, the slam dunk competition this year I thought was really good. Um, but I do wish more like actual NBA stars competed in it, like the way Vince Carter did, and then the way you'd get that showdown between Jordan and Wilkins. Yeah, it was the best. I don't know why the trend became like it's the 13th man from the Pacers versus like it's a yeah. rookie I've never heard of, you know? It's, I think it was a problem a long time ago. But also, like, screw LeBron James for never doing it. Yeah, how could he never do it? Yeah, I'm not actually sure he would win. But at the same time, like, how do you never... I don't know. It seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, even, like, of course, Vince Carter did it early in his career. Kobe Bryant did it early in his career. Jordan, like, if you're a wing star player, you're supposed to do it. Yeah, it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. All right. My number five is Dr. J. Nice. Wait, hold on. Okay, it's an honorable mention for me. Okay. It's a nickname so pervasive that you almost like don't even think of it as a nickname. But it's, it's, I just feel like it encapsulates that era of basketball from like the mid to late 70s to maybe the early 80s, like perfectly. And he's, you know, speaking of like people with long wingspans for dunks, like Julius Irving was incredible for that. Yeah, I used to love the ones he would do where he was like behind the backboard or whatever, or like he would just do crazy stuff. And I think yeah. the thing, the thing when I thought of this, what you mentioned first is really what is the key for it. It's like it's so associated with him that I would never say Julius Irving. I would only say Dr. J. Like, oh yeah, it's just such. It's so pervasive for him. I kind of wonder where that nickname started for him. I have the answer. Whoa. Believe it or not. It was just a friend of his in high school. He called his friend the professor, so his friend started calling him the doctor. And then it just <laughs> became Dr. J when he got to the uh, huh. NBA, or ABA, I guess. Oh, there, there you go. All right. Who is your number four? My number four is a little... Um, obscure well not obscure but just old it's from the 70s dave parker he was the cobra Ooh, he was the outfielder for the pirates and he was called the cobra because he was such an aggressive um hitter that people said he was attacking the ball like a cobra and i thought i always thought it was cool because i don't know of anyone else who is called the cobra no the closest thing i can think of is like 
that Kobe Bryant would be called the Black Mamba. Right. But yeah, to get a snake nickname for hitting a baseball, that that does seem like kind of crazy to me. He he was also like, um, I was just reading about him and it had nothing to do with this. It was just somehow I thought of him and was like, I want to know about Dave Parker right now. Because I always heard his name, but it was before, it was the early to mid 70s, I feel like he played. So I definitely did not see him. But um, I was reading about him. He was like one of the first uh, of the like super athlete outfielders who was just like really fast, really could throw from right field and and hit for power. Like that became the prototype um, mm-hmm. everybody wants in right field. Like he was one of those guys that kind of started that because he was such a good athlete. He could have played – He I think he played basketball and football also and then just decided like baseball was the one he would go with. He was one of those guys. Yeah, between I I feel like the Mariners have been lucky to get some like hyper athletic outfielders. Uh, it's like Jay Buhner. Like <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking of like before Ichiro, yeah, Jay Buhner and Rayfield, but of course like Griffey and Ichiro and Raul Ibanez. Raul Ibanez. Uh, we had Ricky Henderson for a year. Mike Cameron. Oh yeah, Mike Cameron was good. Yeah, good defender. Yeah. I just felt bad for Mike Cameron because he was part of the Griffey trade, so it's like hard to stack up with that. Yeah. But no, he was good. I remember he had like four home runs in a game once, which is really weird. It was against the White Sox. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember it very well. Because <laughs> <laughs> huh. he was, I mean, he, he did hit for power, but he wasn't like that, that kind of slugger. No, he just went, he had a game. Yeah. Well, if I had known it was just the White Sox is why that happened, then okay. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the the horrible pitching staffs of the 90s <laughs> that the White Sox had. Four home runs. Ridiculous. I know. Um, all right. My number four is the human highlight reel. Uh, and that is, yeah, just, I don't have a ton to add here, but such a great nickname and descriptor of Dominique Wilkins. And just, that's what people know about his name, uh, his game too. Like, I don't think, and maybe it's been lost to time, but for as actually pretty prolific of a scorer as Dominique Wilkins was, um, I don't think people have a very good idea of what his game was like outside of dunking. Yeah, that's true. He didn't do, like, Jordan's known for later in his career, he adopted, like, the, he just became, like, a fadeaway shooter. Post, mm-hmm. He posted up a lot when he lost some of the athleticism. But, like, Dominique, I know he, I think later in his career he started shooting more threes, but he was, like, just always attacking the rim. Like, that was his thing. Yeah. He, I don't think, I can't remember how far those Hawks teams ever got, but it, like, wasn't that far, right? Did he never get out of the second round? Is that it? Um, I'm, I don't think the Bulls played them in a conference finals in any of the years that they went to the finals. Um, I know they played them, but I I feel like it was a lot of opening round. Yeah. They were never like that, that good of a team. Yeah. All right. Who is your number three? Speaking of old time, this is from the fifties. Dick Night, Night Train Lane. That is a great name. I don't even know who that is. He's uh, I knew roughly, but I had to read about him more. Um, he was like one of the first uh, really dominant defensive backs. He played he played for the Chicago Cardinals and Whoa. the 
Detroit Lions. Um, he had 14 interceptions as a rookie, which oh, is still God. a record to this day, which is amazing. And he got the nickname. I think it's like the coolest name, Dick Night Train Lane. It just sounds so good. Mm-hmm. And he got it because he liked a song called Night Train, which I never knew. I thought it was because he, yeah, he was, an, I mean, he was also like a really a big hitter for like a, uh, cornerback. Like he would just destroy people. So, I mean, it makes sense, but it was because of a song that was called night train when he was a rookie. <laughs> wow. That'd be funny to have like a nickname, like after a song that you liked. Yeah. I would hope my nickname wouldn't be Taylor Swift's shake it off Mets. <laughs> it was a little too long. It's a little long, but people would be like, wow, he must be really good if that's his nickname because he's not even he's not even bothered by it. He's yeah. just embracing it. I like no joke, I play that song almost every night when I'm putting Elena into her pajamas. It like calms oh. her down a little bit. Wow. That's she's not I'm... crazy about like getting ready at night. But Taylor Swift calms her down. Taylor Swift, and then I play Jackson Five. Um sometimes I'll throw in a little Lizzo. What have I been playing? Oh, I played uh, New Edition, If It Isn't Love. Nice. I feel like that song should be better than it is. It's like not produced particularly well, but it's a good song. I uh, like but, it. Yeah. Um, all right. My number three is just, it's like one of those nicknames that you could see other people having, but no one should have, like Superman. Like Dwight Howard got that nickname, but Shaq was called that too. And that's like, whatever. No one else is ever getting this nickname, even though it's pretty basic. But the big hurt. Double dip. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, that's such a great nickname. And as a kid, uh, it's such an intimidating nickname too. Even though like learning later and like Frank Thomas doesn't really have that kind of personality, but like... Yeah, just like menacing. He was huge, but you knew he wasn't like, you know, like McGuire and Sosa, like roided up or Conseco. Like he was just like awesome and intimidating. And it's like a perfect nickname for him. Yeah. And, and I liked it also because of the his batting stance and the way that he hit was just like a lot of the bigger hitters, they just kind of, they'll just kind of stand more open or they'll be like a little lackadaisical because they're so big they can just crush the ball but he had like he had his arms up real high and he's like six mm-hmm. five like 270 so he just looks like an offensive lineman up there like hitting and it's amazing it's such a good nickname no i i i love that nickname a lot and it just like i had a bunch of chicago nicknames to decide between and yeah it just seems like chicago has had a lot of good nicknames and i think it depends on like Sometimes maybe the broadcasters. I don't know where Frank Thomas got that nickname. Do you know? Was it give it to him? Did he? I think it was. I mean, he was always. I think it was probably Hawk. Yeah, I think Hawk coined it because he he. I remember he would say like he would use the phrase like he put a heart on the ball, and so I mean it's got I, it's got to be from that. Yeah. Well, credit to Hawk for coming up with that. Yep. All right. So that was your. Number two then, right? Correct, yeah. Okay. Uh, My number two is the Rain Man. And I know listeners of the show will be surprised that I put it number two instead of number one. And I'll admit, like, I can't always put the Sonics or Sean Kemp number one in every list I do. 
So that's part of the reason I put it number two. I really try to put aside my bias. But at the same time, the Rain Man is a great freaking nickname. This is, okay, it's an honor, honorable mention for me. I love it. And it's, all I was able to find is that Kevin Calabro gave him the name. But do you know any of the background of, like, why? I was trying to look that up, too. And I, I don't really know. And Kevin Calabro, I think, is, is the best play-by-play basketball announcer of all time. Uh, he does Portland games now, which is the second good thing going for Portland. Uh, <laughs> But the, I don't know if it like, it has something to do with like his dunking style and just like reigning over like anybody who tries to get in his way, especially, uh, you know, Alton Lister and Chris Gatling. Yeah. Those poor, poor saps, poor saps. But yeah, I don't know. It's, and it's like an inventive nickname too. Like there are too many current nicknames that are just, they don't have anything behind them. Yeah. It's a lost art. Yeah, it really is. I had two other, I'm going to throw in two other of my honorable mentions right here because they're appropriate. Um, Gary Payton, the glove is really good. Yeah. And Sam Perkins was a big smooth. Those that, are sweet names. Yeah. Kevin Calabro was really, really good at coming up with nicknames. Yeah. The glove was definitely on my honorable mentions too. And big smooth, I totally forgot about, but that should be up there. The glove is great because it's like, I don't know. I mean, you could, I guess, theoretically uh, apply that to somebody else who's just like a lockdown defender, but it's so iconic with Gary Payton. Like, I feel like you can't. Plus, he's like the only point guard in the last like 30 or 35 years that's gotten defensive player of the year. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. They don't give that to point guards a lot, but he did get it. He was so ridiculously good at defense. Yeah. Between him and like Nate McMillan... Those Sonics teams had like some stalwart like defensive players on the wings. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to. Th- I'm looking over my list to see if I can figure out who your number one would be. I have a thought, but I, I'm not going to guess. All right. Who's your number one? You don't. I don't think you'll have it. Um, maybe. But okay. So Christian Okoye is a running back nope. from <laughs> a running back from the eighties in the NFL. And his nickname is the Nigerian nightmare. Whoa, that is good. And I always like, I don't have any particular affinity for I mean, Christian Okoye, I've seen him in highlights. Like he ran like a ball of uh, steak knives is the old uh, saying that they say about big running backs that kill people. But um, like Bo, he was like Bo Jackson before Bo Jackson. Basically he had kind of like a shorter career, um, just a big, mean runner. And I just think, I mean, the Nigerian nightmare is so great. Like, you can't, you can't, it's, it's the best. Like, I had to put it there, even though I don't have any special, you know, fandom of Christian Okoye. It's just so great. No, that is a really good nickname. It, like, is a good nickname for, like, a running back, too. Yeah. He was, a good, he was good. He was, like, an all-pro running back. It's not like he was just, like, a random... But he yeah. just had like a shorter career and it was before the NFL became quite as great, like quite as ubiquitous in media. So I feel like he was just before mm. being like more, more well-known among non like crazy football fans. It seems maybe I'm wrong. I'm thinking this, but like that seems like kind of common in running backs, like outside of Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, like a lot of running back careers, like kind of on the short side, it seems like. 
Yeah, even the ones, even the guys that hang around, like they're so like Frank Gore is still playing, and he's at like thirty-seven. That is such an outlier because usually by thirty, if they're not out of the league, they're no longer effective because it's yeah. such a brutal. You take such a beating at that position. For sure. All right, my number one is William the Refrigerator Perry. That's a good one. I completely forgot about that. I just love that because it's like one of the first nicknames I think I heard as a kid too. Uh, and, and just like, what an apt description. And it's just per- like describing a, re- a person as a refrigerator. <laughs> And having it be like, oh yeah, I could see that. (laughs) (laughs) He was huge, but he was also like, before injuries took a toll, he was such a good athlete too. So it's like really funny that he was the refrigerator. Like, it's just a funny nickname. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like delightful. It's, I I wonder who gave it to him. Cause it's like, it's also like maybe kind of a rough nickname to get, but if you can own it, it, which he absolutely did, then I think it's good. Yeah, it's great. That's I'm so mad that I, did not think of that that's such a good nickname you got some other honorable mentions that you haven't mentioned yeah um one is he hate me which is rod smart's nickname he was in the xfl um Mm -hmm. just always i don't know just a funny one uh shoeless joe jackson from the good old white Sox. i don't have never heard of another player called that um george the iceman gervin was my other nba one that i didn't end up ranking but i just love that nickname that's a great name the, also, the 70s Minnesota Vikings defensive line was called the Purple People Eaters, which is not a one-player nickname. It's a collective nickname, but I thought that that was really cool. I like that. Um, the last one, which is a Seattle uh, Mariners player that Chris and I nicknamed. I'm going to tell you the nickname, and I'm sure you'll know who it is, but we call this player Whitey Boomstick. Do you know who we're talking about? Willie Bloomquist? Yeah. Nice. It is my like least favorite Seattle Mariners player of all time. Why? I want to know why. He's the quintessential like scrappy white player who somehow stuck around, was never very good. Yeah. But just people really liked him. I, I don't get it. That's why that's why we called him Whitey Boomstick. Because I think he had one year where he like hit a lot more home runs than he ever would. And it and it's like I asked Chris before, I was like, is this a problematic nickname now? And <laughs> I probably was then, but I'm like he's like, eh, probably, but who cares? It was like a high school goof thing that we still bring up to this day. That we call yeah. him Whitey Boomstick. <laughs> yeah, Willie Bloomquist. I feel like, yeah, he was just one of those players that just like stuck around. I was like, ugh. Utility he, infielder. Yeah, he was on the team for a while, I feel like. He was. Uh, all right, some of mine. I got the glove, of course. Uh, I, I don't mind the royal nicknames, so like Sir Charles and King James. I think those are pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Sweetness. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the big unit. Big and unit. The kid, which I just love for Griffey because he like now he gets to have that. Uh, and then my other favorite is No Tip and Pippin. Oh, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> no Tip and Pippin. Yeah, I, uh, in watching like the, the Jordan documentary too, I, I like Scotty Pippin, but I forget like that he's like, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. I've always heard that. But, you know, kudos for him for like being in the years of his prime, like, Definitely one of the top 10 players in the league, maybe top five. 
and seemingly just being okay. Like it, it's got to take a lot to be like, I'm going to be the number two on this team. I'm definitely going to be the number two on this team and being and living with it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just the bulls were lucky that he was because you know, if he's not there, they don't win most of those titles. And if he would have like demanded a trade early on, like that, you know, they, they would not have won most of no. those. I don't think so. Like, and think about like other players that have not been okay with that. Like the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, like that broke up because like that was not sustainable. Like Kyrie Irving had to flee Cleveland because he wasn't cool with being the number two. Yeah. It's not that easy to come by those people. No, I think it's, I think it helps that Pippen was, even though he was the number two, like he had his calling card, which was, he was the lockdown defender guy. Like, you, you know, even though Jordan won defensive player of the year and stuff, but it was just like, he did have his own kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I imagine that helped a little bit, but it was still probably tough for, for the old ego. Yeah. I felt bad that I, I didn't remember until the Jordan documentary, like what an effed up contract he had. Yeah. Like throughout pretty much the entire nineties. I'm glad I got paid later in his career, but yeah, signing that contract in like '91 for whatever it was, like seven years, fourteen million or something, eighteen. Yeah, million? yeah, he left a lot of money on the table. Yeah. Oh well. Um, if you have a favorite nickname of a sports icon that we forgot about, please do let us know. You can hit us up on our uh, Twitter handle, of course. That's at Whiskey Sessions, or our email address, Whiskey Sessions Music at gmail.com. An emphasis on the music because it is coming back. Uh, But we got to read your emails now. So let's get to it. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right. I've got this one that reads, Hey dudes, you talked about reality shows last ep, but failed to mention the greatest reality show of all time. Who's your daddy? in which a contestant must guess who their biological father is for $100,000. Please correct. <laughs> and that's this... from Hubert in Carbondale, Illinois. Like, what a horrible idea for a show. I feel like there were some truly cruel reality shows that happened like 10, 20 years ago. When, what is this show? What, I don't know about it. I had not heard about it either. I looked it up. I am like not positive it ever got to air. It was supposedly on Fox. I don't remember it at, at all. I was wondering if it was like a Maury Povich offshoot or something when he would do the paternity test. It seems like it, but like that is like, it, it, I went, like, I looked at this show and then I went down like a rabbit hole of like other horrible shows. Like, there was a show called like The Swan where contestants would just get like some amount of plastic surgery to look acceptable. Yeah. Like, like really like cruel stuff. There was also MTV had a number of shows that were about was it like so you want to look like a celebrity or something? Didn't people get plastic surgery to like look exactly like famous people? That is so weird. Yeah. Our culture is wild. I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you have an email you want to send to us, we will read it on a future episode. So please do send it. It's whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. And uh People from Portland, please withhold your emails. I know they're going to be riddled with typos, so don't bother sending them anyway. Uh, Until next episode, be pimp.
Do you have any words of wisdom to leave our wonderful listeners with? I overtip. It's my philosophy. Exactly. I feel like my own tipping has gotten a little out of control. I tip too much on like takeout and stuff like that. I don't even know what the rules are for that, but I need to keep that in check. Uh, all right. Until next time. Uh, this is A Mets. And Peace out. Bye bye.